Industry Under Pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. So if you hear some sounds uh, in the background, that sounds like uh, may sound like maybe kids playing basketball. That's because uh, it's kids playing basketball. I'm I'm here in the um, in the far northwest OGGN studios uh, today, and uh, which also happens to be in a neighborhood, as you might guess. And um, and it's Saturday, and I don't you know I don't oftentimes do these on Saturday, so. Uh, usually it's quieter, and I just, I'm just noticing today as I as I look out uh, the window that uh, there's quite a lot of activity out there, which is good. It's good to see kids outside playing and uh, and and doing things. Uh, it is it's December in Houston, which means of course it's 75 degrees outside, so they're having a great time. Anyway, uh, I was also just looking here. Um, well, speaking of fun things to do outside, uh, I'm reading about. Bocce, the the sport, you know, you know the sport where you roll the balls um, on the grass and you try to knock each other out. It's uh, remarkably similar to uh, another another favorite uh, pastime of uh, of people who, well, really, this all comes down to something to do in your backyard while you're drinking beer. And so when I was growing up uh, as a, um, which I guess a lot of people don't know this, but not you know I've spent my whole adult life in Houston, but I did grow up among Italian American uh, relatives uh, in in New Jersey, and uh, their their favorite thing to do in the backyard. Um, I mean, there was bocce. We did see bocce, uh, and and of course we call it bocce ball, which I think is probably not really. That's really not what you're supposed to say. But um, there was that. Uh, I think I think maybe the nicer people did (laughs) did that. But a lot of my my relatives, my cousins and uncle and whatnot, uh, they were really hooked on horseshoes. That was horseshoes was the big thing. And and the two games are actually very similar in terms of how they're played. I mean, one involves rolling, you know, heavy objects on the ground, and one involves th- hurling heavy objects through the air. But um, there's actually a there's a technique in both cases, anyway. Um, but I was reading here uh, on my trusty iPad Pro about bocce, and it turns out, like everything else. Uh, and it is similar to other games that are played and have been played in, in, in England and in France and other places, but it all goes back to the ancient Roman Empire where they, let's, let's face it, that was when they came up with all the good stuff. So uh, I haven't really read here exactly what the connection is, but anyway, um, bocce or bocce ball, as we like to say. Uh, is is actually quite popular in many places of the, in the world. I, well, places where a lot of Italians uh, relocated, uh, such as, there's a really cool photo here. And yes, of course, I'm looking this up in Wikipedia because that's just the simplest way to do things. I know it's not the most, I know I know that, that uh, I should probably get some other sources, but when you got five minutes to prepare for a podcast, this is really convenient. And there's a, there's a nice family here, 1902 in Buenos Aires. An Argentine family is playing bocce and uh anyway i love that old stuff so why you might ask well well you know anytime i anytime i launch into one of these random topics you know that eventually 
it's going to have some sort of a connection, uh, how, however loose it may be to uh, to the episode that you're going to hear today. Um, and it does uh, because uh, we recorded this episode um, recently here at the at the Canon. We were at the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston. However, we were not inside in our usual place because I got there to set up and. It was just a really nice day. The weather was beautiful. And I said, you know what? Let's have school outside. So we did. And, um, and if, you, uh, if you go to the Canon, uh, and, you, and you should go to the Canon if you haven't gone, uh, if, if you're in Houston or even if you're just passing through, you need a place to work, go to the Canon, tell them you heard about it on OGGN, and they should give you a free day pass. Now, I have heard you know, recently that um, well, well, they're they're growing really fast at the Canon, which is fantastic for them, and uh, and they've had to hire a lot of, you know, they're hiring a lot of new people, and sometimes you know things get left out of the message. So I've heard that uh, some of the new folks at the front desk may not be aware of this deal that we have. So if that happens to you, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, but they should give you a free day pass, and you can go and not only enjoy the interior of the Canon, but they do have some really beautiful outdoor areas where you can go and sit. Um, well, I know really beautiful is probably an exaggeration, but they're nice. It's it's a nice a nice patio area, and uh, there is a bocce court, and that is where we were sitting uh, when we recorded today's episode. So, without any uh, further babbling on my part, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the OGGN Spotlight, Tyler Reitmeyer. And we are here at the fabulous Canyon on the west side of Houston, where the sun is always shining, and it is shining today. Uh, and the sun is always what is, what is that thing I say? The sun is always shining, and the birds are always singing, and the people are always happy. The reason why I took notice that the sun is shining is because we are not in the usual spot, but we're actually outside in, in, on the patio here at the Canyon because the weather's so nice in Houston, and uh, we're by the bocce court. And I am here now. They already they already heard your name because they heard me say it in the, yeah, in the little okay. before the snappy musical interlude. <laughs> but um, here's the funny thing is, I before we started, I forgot to ask you how to say your last name. So it's Tyler Reitmeyer. Reitmeyer. Okay, so not. Got it. Not Reitmeyer. No, you can. I answer to a lot of different things. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So Reitmeyer is the pronunciation Tyler, of choice. Reitmeyer, Rongmeyer. This is yeah. like there's a Read -a -meter, whole. There's right. a whole list of them. My dad used to actually save and had a whole list of all the things, ways that it was pronounced wrong, and even in the old snail mail days, people that had written the name down wrong, and Reitmeyer was the best one ever. Yeah. <laughs> It's perfect. All right, so uh, and, and you're you're here today from with our from our friends over there at Heart Energy. Um, before we get to that, though, uh, so this is your first time at the Canon, right? Or no, you've been here for the. I, I swear, we just had this conversation. Yeah, the, I've been I, to a few of the OGGN yeah. uh, uh, happy hours and yeah, presentations. Right. So um, yeah, I uh, which which uh, full audience transparency. We literally just talked about that like seven minutes ago, and I already. <laughs> All good. <laughs> Too many things going on, but um, the, the thing I wanted to—the reason why I said that—is because uh, it's a, I, we have to do our we have to we have to do our bit for the canon because we love these guys here and we love that they let us use the facility and it's cool, right? Like, yeah. like co-working is the way to go these days. Yeah, I think. And yeah. And what Corva's done here, I think there are a few other ones. Yeah. Uh, that are here as well um, that are have some semi-permanent offices here. Right. And people can. And come then in all and the people that just kind of float yeah. around the. The hot seat, the hot seats. No, what do they call them? Hot, 
Yeah, hot, hot desks. desks. Hot desks. Yep. Hot seat is a different. <laughs> totally. Yeah, hot bunking, hot seats, different. Yeah, different meaning. So uh, anyway, but today we are out here by the bocce ball court, which um, we can we thought about. Like maybe we could do the podcast. I don't know what we're doing. playing bocce but ball, but the mics aren't wireless gum. though, yeah. so we have to carry the recorder and everything while we're doing it. Anyway, um, so hard energy and you. Let's start with you. Um, I, I, so we just met. Like we just met a couple days ago. So, but I do. I do know. I, I have. A, I did a little bit of homework. I did a little homework. Yeah, so, um, and I know you're there at heart now, and you're running this thing for this uh, Rex Tag Energy Data mm-hmm. Link, which we're going to talk about. Um, I know you got. You, you did some early years at Air Liquide, which uh, is definitely a way, way to earn your stripes. Um, uh, do, do, did you ever work with Marty Martin over there? I did, yeah. Mar- Marty's great. It just occurred yep. to me that you might know him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Marty is, he's been on this podcast before. He okay. is. He's yeah. a hoot. Yeah, Marty Martin. And I could, uh, besides Marty, I can suggest other ones. Yeah. Um, spent 13 years with Eric Lakeed at the beginning of my career and was heavily influenced by that. I think mostly in a good way. Yeah. Uh, it's a large corporation. Of course, it's uh, offshore, it's French, and. Right. Um, so got exposed and got some free trips to, to Paris with it, but nice. Uh, got to work in a lot of different areas there. And uh, shout out to my first boss and uh, mentor Charles Harper, who you need to have on the show too. Oh yeah, yeah. You um, that. In the pipeline operations department there, so kind of got started on the technical side before uh, moving over into the commercial side there. Yeah, um, because you were because I think you're a double E, right? Yes, that's yeah. correct. Never really put it to use, but general engineering. A doubly uh, who went sure. into sales, basically. Yeah. Yeah, eventually, eventually got into sales. It happens occasionally, it, yes. It actually, you know, I think it happens more than you expect. I think, yeah. I think quite it because because we work in a. This is an industry where, um, like subject matter, like domain knowledge matters. If you're That's trying right. to, you know, trying to sell something or buy something or whatever, right? Like it, you right, you got to yeah. be able to explain how it works, what the value is. Right. Like you don't just set the appointment and show up and get the sale. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You have to have a a level or a depth of knowledge and it it helps to have the engineering background because in engineering you, uh, in a curriculum, doesn't matter which, you learn how to learn. That's what your degree's in. Right. Um, I always like to, it's always interesting to touch on a little bit of that because especially right now in the industry, so many people are trying to figure out we have a lot of conversations about retooling people, right? Repurposing right. people, people learning new skills, doing things that they didn't. Uh, I mean, that's that, right. that pops up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, I also know, let's see, what else do I know about you? Um, I, you are something called, and I don't know what this is, you're a certified energy manager. Yes. Yeah, so. You pick that out. Huh? Yeah. What, what, what is a certified? So that's the Association of Energy Engineers. So yeah. part of my history with Air Liquide and then beyond that is related to energy management generally in industrial facilities. So that certification has to do, there are kind of two sides to it. It's an actual certification by that Association of Energy Engineers. You can look it up. Um, but one side is like buildings and energy management, like you think oh, of yeah, lead, okay. right, uh, right, right. certified, that sort of thing, green. The other side, and which is the side that I was familiar with and got the certification for, is with industrial uh, energy. So that could be like steam, boilers, uh, cogeneration, those right, sorts right, of things. Right. So, Speaking of steam, yes. chapter 19. Oh, 
Yes. <laughs> so you've done in-depth research were, on me. Uh-oh. Five minutes. Need to was, hide it better. It was five minutes. Yeah. Chapter 19. So you wrote, so you actually contributed uh, something yes. about steam, uh, something right. or other, right? So Alan Roster and Beth Jones were nice enough to include me uh, in writing a chapter on uh, steam and power system optimization yeah. in their um, energy management uh, resource yeah, that yeah. was published by Wiley. So it's a real um, page turner. So yeah, yeah. if you, uh, at least chapter 19, I'm chapter not going to speak for the other authors, right. but if you're having trouble sleeping, turn to chapter 19. Chapter 19 sure. is the one that, so <laughs> how do you, uh, um, so that all, it's interesting, that all ties back to the uh, energy. How, how do you, like, I'm just curious, this is not, this is a little sidebar, but somebody says, write a chapter, one chapter for this book. How do you, like, write one chapter is it do you just i guess you just treat it as its own like independent yeah. subject it's so it's like, like a short story okay. of sorts and just uh, that's what i tried to do is write a write a story that was more like a textbook because that's what the intention was oh, okay, um, that kind of went through uh my perspective so it doesn't matter if there's any continuity with what's before it and after it or anything right like that. that's yeah. what alan and beth the the uh collaborators that were the you know um, authors, facilitators for the entire uh, book, if you will, right. uh, were in charge of doing is putting those in the right order so it made sense to, yeah, to yeah. someone that was using it as a resource. Right, right. I got you. Interesting. Cool. Well, I have not, um, so I've done a lot of things, but I haven't written a, ch- a chapter of a book yet, so i got to put that on my list of of ambitions there you go somebody needs to somebody needs to ask me to write it i just want because i don't i don't want to write it because i don't have the patience to write a whole book right so just want a chapter i just want a chapter that's it that would be that would be perfect (laughs) then you become famous then it'd be perfect then i could say i'm a published author (laughs) there you go um uh in addition to everything else all right so let's uh sorry so that's enough about you although you did so you did spend between eric and now you spent some time with some a, a bunch of different software and companies in the oil and gas industry and right. eventually with whatever the, the the combination of rs drilling info yes and that led me embarrassed whatever uh yeah and go ahead so that relationship um because they do resell Rextag data sets led me to right um rex and hard energy so right. uh has been a part of hard energy since 2010 it's um, at its heart uh, a mapping and data yeah. um, software solution right. uh, that's been turned into a platform um, that utilizes public data and of different types so that the, the main value is driven from the map basis of different types of assets that are, are either co-located or that you can go and research on a map. So I'm yeah, kind yeah. of a map nerd, so I like looking at maps anyway. So uh, it's that's kind a, of fun to, a, to go dig in and see what data is in there. That's kind of a lost nerd ship, whatever. I don't know yeah. what you call it. I mean, because um, I'm a little bit that way too. But um, people, we don't like people don't really look at maps a whole lot anymore. Right. It just it's kind of an ancient art loss because there's no printed map wall maps. Right. There's no map mall maps. There's no maps. You know, like I mean, so you remember trying to drive with the map like opened up like across the steering wheel and you're right you know and right the, the old key maps the key and the map orange folder yep. to, okay now i gotta go to g47 <laughs> yeah, and i right. gotta flip over to that yeah it's um people don't i think um and i remember when i was a kid like in elementary school i think learning 
all the basic map symbols, right? Like, and what, you know, this is an interstate road and this is a state That's highway right. and this is a, right. And all those things. I, I don't, I don't even know if they teach that stuff. My kids are all older. Yeah, what like ha- we always worry about, you know, even our 18 year old, my youngest is senior in high school. What happens if his phone runs out of battery and he's even in another part of Houston, how is he going to find his How's way he home? Find his way home? Yeah. yeah. Does he even <laughs> know which way to point the car? Right. Uh, you know, but I, I don't think it's just the younger folks. I think I think there's I think a lot of people have probably yeah. Maybe it's lost a lost the, art for all of us, even yeah. the older older ones like us. Yeah. And you um and you and you grew up here, right? Or yeah. So I grew up here in town. Uh, went to Climb Force High School out uh, northwest of town. No kidding. And uh, then went to Rice. I graduated from Climb. So, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. I mean. We can go back to Friday Night Lights and talk about <laughs> what happened that year. But it was probably the close, similar. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Oh, no, the reason I say that is because I remember uh, when I was growing up, after I learned to drive in Houston and everything, and and like you really had to learn your way around all the all the right, like 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 I like gradually one by one, I kind of figured out all the different parts of town. Right. And when you get to that part of town, it goes like this. Right. Right. And That's I, right. I don't think people really people just kind of follow the. The other thing that happened was my my tw- now now twenty two year old recently told me he said yeah. He said, "It's funny when I ask when he asks me how far something away is, I answer in miles, and when, yeah. when I ask him, he answers in time. Yeah, minutes, minutes right. or, or hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that interesting. is interesting. Yeah. All right, but well, okay, that's a little off topic, but <laughs> it, the map thing is important. Um, uh, so we're gonna get back to that. And spoiler for this episode, we're gonna talk about data. Big surprise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I guess industry, we're gonna talk about data." Let, before we get to Rex Tag and all that, um, it's true, right? Like we can never have any time we have a conversation in this industry about what, how things are and how they need to be better or different. Yeah. We always end up tangled in this data conversation, right? And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, subsurface data. What do you call? Super surface data, yeah, um, above the, ground uh, data, above ground data, right? <laughs> Public data, private data, like whatever. Right. We always end up tangled in this data conversation, right? So, what? Why do you want to get back? Why, why do you want to? Why do you want to wade into those waters? Do you, do you see? Uh, because it also appears sometimes that like it's never going to be solved. It's always going to be a mess. So, right. and you just like jumped into it here recently. So, do, do you have like are there aspirations that say we can like this? This can improve. This can get better. Well, there's a history there for me at least with data, and it's um, you'll hear a lot of talk of is is your data accurate. So that's a process. We're never going to be perfect there, yeah, I think. So the answer is always no. Because it's always no because there's always new data and more data. Right. Um, and that needs to be sifted through, needs to be analyzed. And so, you know, with optimization of SIEM systems to come from that angle, right. uh, the data mattered. So what I think we're trying to do with hard energy on its data side. So at Heart Energy at its core is conferences, publications, you know, now digital first, of course, and data with the Rextag side is to try to provide ways of putting the data together or viewing the data or filtering the data so that you accelerate and improve the accuracy of the analysis that you're doing. And so that's what we're trying to provide is a platform in Energy Data Link, which you mentioned, which is kind of the front end or the platform online from which uh, the user can go and filter to find the type of assets. So instead of 
we used to look at a paper map and try to figure out what's close to what. Now we can filter to it and allow the the map pieces that we want to see alone to show up. So electric utility data alongside midstream natural gas pipeline data, I can go and look at that in a particular area to see what the overlay is. Yeah, so so this is an this is a something that I think is a little bit new because so a whole bunch of what you just said sounds very similar to what a lot of people say about a lot of things, right? But sure. what, but what I think is new is this idea that we can start to t- take data from multiple disciplines or domains right. and start to look at it in relationship. I mean, right. I mean that was really impossible before, right? Like, or like, did you need like a light board to put <laughs> stuff on top? Like, right. Before it was, um, who has the data? Uh, is it is it? public truly public data that's available to all of us but then what form and format is it in where we can get at it so some of the uh, new open source way of, of of looking at different types of data sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, overlaid is is kind of helped and our, our goal is to provide data in a way that can be viewed on a map with ownership location right and then capacity and, and other types of qualities together and so that companies can come in with a GIS or uh, a Google Earth KMZ format and load their own data and be able to see it alongside the public data that we have and do that with ease. That's something that not a lot of people are providing is that flexibility. That's what we're trying to do so that yeah, yeah. you can do your work faster and more accurately. So let's, um, and, and you mentioned, well, let's back up a little bit because we just covered a whole bunch of it. We just bounced. It was like a little bit of a pinball machine, which was mostly due to me. <laughs> so, I'll share the blame. You mentioned Rextag. I mentioned Energy Data Link. You mentioned Rextag 2010. But so, so maybe let's pause on that. So, what is that exactly? This so this Rextag thing, and you said it's been part of part of heart since 2010 heart since 2010 but it's been around and i think you meant i think you also mentioned and i can't remember whether this was just now when we were talking earlier but like it's the data architecture I arm guess. and then uh, you got this platform yeah. on top of it so let's talk about right. just like what 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 is rextag and and what is it historically heart. yeah right historically it's been kind of an archive or a database of assets and in particular and what we Rextag has been known for um, since its inception in 2006 is midstream data. So where are the pipelines okay. on a map? Who owns them? You know what? What are the you know diameters of those pipes? Uh, other type of of history, links to documents, and then to a directory of contacts related to that in a database. So so an interesting thing about that that a lot of people may not realize because when we think of pipelines. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're unless you're really actively involved in midstream, um, sometimes we only because there are, there's about five pipelines that are in the news all the time, right? That's right. <laughs> but yep. the number of miles of pipelines just in North America, say, or in the United States, is like hundreds of thousands. Right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. You yeah. wouldn't even believe how much there are until you look at a map of all of it on a screen, and it looks like a spider web. Right. Yep. Yeah. So there. So there's hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever, I don't know, miles yeah. of pipelines. So just that's just to put it in perspective because because the first time I heard about something like this, I was like, well, what's the big deal? Like, how many pipelines are there, right? Yeah, and, sure. Uh, but there's a lot. There's, it's right. huge. 
There, I don't know the exact number, but it's hundreds of thousands into the millions if we're looking at worldwide. Of miles. Yeah, of uh, miles. Well, yeah. Of, of, okay. Or kilometers of so, pipeline. So, so Rextag focuses on that. What, um, so what kinds of data are we talking about there? Well, for the pipelines themselves, are you asking, or just generally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll have it split up by ownership, operator, um, if it's a gathering type or a transmission, you know, right. um, there are different yeah. types of pipelines. Um, we talked about ownership, um, location. So what county is it in? What state right. is it in? You know, that could have something to do with taxing authorities might be interested in that. So it's, um, it's information about the, the infrastructure asset itself. The asset itself. Right. So it's That's not right. operating data on it because so you wouldn't be able to yeah. have that anyway. I mean, that on some, interestingly enough, uh, if it's public data, because some of our customers are um, SEC um, regulated, yeah, yeah, sure, so yeah. we can't have uh, any insider type of information in there. It is public. But some of the uh, transmission pipelines will, will publish their uh, their scheduled flows, so we have that. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. because uh, coming uh, early next year, because we have the flows out of individual wells on the upstream side, we can connect that into the gathering system, so we'll have the flows right. connected into the gathering system. So we begin to, to have some of the flow information, which is helpful in decision-making as <laughs> yeah. well. And, and so I, the reason why I'm so – this is a little tedious, but the reason why – going into that is because less you know people and it appears that there's going to be some sort of like crawfish party out here or something that they're like assembling a we're staying for sure there's an assembly there's an assembly process going on behind us here <laughs> by the budget but um it's not crawfish season though like i guess oh, technically the they farm them now so it's always crawfish I mean, season. yeah is it ever not crawfish yeah. season I don't, I don't know i always think of it being like february around rodeo you know okay like crawfish season. Fair. Yeah. so um no, but the reason why I kind of digging into that, even though it's a little tedious, is because lest people roll their eyes at yes, oh, you know, oil and gas, we can't, we just can't handle our data, right? The reason why this we have this perpetual data, these data challenges, is because just that one little slice that we just talked about. There's so many things, right? That's right. There's so much complexity, and all right. we're talking about is pipeline and data, and just the asset infrastructure data and and this is why this is why we've struggled I think in so many areas right to, right. to have good accurate data on everything that we're in, in all the places where we need it right and because you have so many different types of stakeholders could be service provider you could be yeah, the operator you right, right. etc you have a different angle and different data is important to you um, I think what is important is to be able to serve that data up in a way that the different, I guess, um, I, I'm thinking of perspectives or different types of stakeholders, different personas right. can have the data that they need to make the decisions that they need without doing a whole lot of work uh, to find it. Yeah, and and yeah. it's their first. It's their first. Uh, Crawfish burner. They're impressed. Yeah, they're very they're, impressed. <laughs> they're going to set themselves. So, for on those fire. of you who are not either from Texas, southeast Texas, or southern Louisiana, the, 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 these these propane burners are. I mean, this one is a little trendy looking, but but I mean, I'm sure you got one in your garage or some, in your somewhere at home, right? Like you have. Yeah, one. I've got like a I fire pit. Yeah, right. We have. Sure, we all have these. The same thing. We all yeah. have these things, right? And uh, it's just uh, it's always fun to watch the new guys try it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Um, 
you know, this, uh, right, so back to this data thing, and, and we were talking about pipeline, but you also said midstream, right? So I assume we're getting now into like storage facilities and yes. what, so what's so, the whole breadth of, so the breadth, and so the picture I'm trying to create here is take like everything that you just said about all the different things that people need to be able to do mm -hmm. with all this data and everything, and we're looking at one little slice, and now let's like multiply that over just everything in midstream without even getting right. into upstream and downstream utilities and everything else, right? So what else is there? So what a midstream operator has to uh, contend with or think about, or a services company for that matter is. Um, the new thing, energy transition, ESG, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. how do I reduce my carbon footprint? So midstream operators, if it's a gas system, will typically burn their own gas uh, to, you know, compress that same product in their pipeline to get it to where it needs to go. Well, there are emissions associated with that. So they're thinking about electrifying those. So the other type of infrastructure you need to know about is where are the grid assets, where's the next, the nearest substation, if I want to do that at my compressor station right, right, out in the right. middle of nowhere, Texas, Oklahoma, et cetera. So that's one. So that's something that you would need to know. And then beyond that, further decreasing the carbon footprint because you're ostensibly burning gas elsewhere to produce the power to then provide the power to compress that. Are there, is there a solar or wind farm close to me that I can yeah. leverage? Is there a, uh, a landfill uh, gas that I could take advantage right, of, right. which is reducing that carbon footprint yeah. even further? Where are those assets on the map? How far are they away from me? Who do I need to call to, to find out about right. that? It just goes on and on, right? Yeah. Like, it just keeps going. And so, um, so this is why, you know, and, and again, we're just looking here at midstream. Yep. Um, and now you're trying to say, how can we overlay that and connect it and look at it relative to transmission lines or That's other right. things, right? Because you're solving some of the same problems in terms of the right, and, and it's all map related. So this is why we have this. This is why we have this huge challenge. Now, um, getting back to your um, to so Rextag, which didn't you tell me something about like it's named after the guy that invented yes. it or something like so that? So Ray might kill me for mentioning this, but yeah, okay. it's Rex is Ray R E Y and Tag is Togley, his last name first two uh, letters. Ah, yeah, Ray. Yeah, so yeah. we might have to axe this out of the podcast. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I might get in trouble. I've only been there for about four months, and I'd like to stay. Yeah, okay. So Fair enough. Yeah. Is, is he still there? Oh yeah, yeah Ray's the president. He's he's really the the brains behind the operation. Um, really is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you would expect with a homegrown uh, tool yeah. like that as, as grew from the data perspective yeah. as well as from making it useful to the customers. Right. Okay. So we have this, we have this fantastic uh, repository data architecture that Rex, Ray, Ray invented. <laughs> I'm going to call him Rex now. Yeah. That's um, yeah. And, uh, and now though, you, you mentioned also uh, energy data link is the platform. Right. So, what, what's so? How, so how think that of that in term instead of having to fold out your key map and your or, or fold out right. your full map on your car. Yeah. Uh, now you have online in a way that you can zoom into an area and layer just the assets that you're interested in seeing uh, in an interface on your computer screen. So, so that was added later. Yes. Okay. So that's something that uh, came about four or five years ago. Okay. Uh, which is where the data link came from. It's a link to the yeah. data, which is the original. So intent. before you kind of had to like grow, like make your own. Yeah. Like, like the data. So essentially, there. think of it as spreadsheets, and then trying right. to uh, connect the dots on, on a map. 
yourself right. manually. Okay, so now you guys have this, it's a platform, software as a service, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's delivered as software as a service, yeah. annual fee, just like uh, most of the other platforms that are software as a service out there. Okay, so now, um, and that gives you all these capabilities to look at it and do all the things. Right. All right, so how does my life change now? If I, uh, if, like, if my, uh, well, first of all, who am I? in terms of my life changing. Yes. And if, if my boss comes in and says, hey, great news, uh, yep. uh, Tyler was here, we just bought that energy yep. data link thing, why am I getting excited? Yeah, typically you're, you're either uh, an operations person, uh, say an engineer, mm-hmm. and it's making your life better because you it accelerates and, and improves the accuracy of uh, your planning, contingency planning. Yeah. Uh, it could be, you know, what's available out there in the market for supply, utility supplies, or anything new. Uh, I can go zoom in and 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 find that on the map. Um, especially like we talked about with renewables coming into play, electrification of the oil field. Uh, if you're a business development person, it can help you to evaluate assets that are around you and really in in from the framework of not so much the subsurface, which other companies cover right. on the upstream side, but what utilities are available to you, what offtake gathering, yeah, yeah, who yeah. are the companies that you would need to partner with. And, yeah, there, there's then, really not a major offering around that, apart from this, right? I can't think of like the usual suspects. Don't really there. There are cover a few. Um, I but digging into them, obviously, my information is limited. Uh, I haven't subscribed to those. Uh, to find out the level of detail. As far as I know and from what I've been told from asking uh, around, um, obviously in, in doing the job search, I did ask questions. There, there really isn't anybody with the level of detail and accuracy that uh, Rextag has around the other data sets. Yeah, and it's interesting because the shift in the last few years between, between the economic pressures, um, which even after the price of oil came back yep a lot of the economic pressures didn't subside because uh investor right value was not right where returning cash flow yeah. to the investors yeah. you know you know too much debt had been acquired and right interim. so um so the economic factors the the esg stuff and all that that you mentioned the energy transition you know like all of that has shifted priorities some focus um, toward, I guess the way that I always think of it is the industry became less focused on new discoveries and more looking at how do we get more value out of the assets that we have. Yeah, right? I think that's and true. So yeah. all of a sudden, a lot of these things that, that you're describing that somebody needs to be able to do with this, with this topside infrastructure, right. Right? Um, all of a sudden become a lot more important. Right in terms of getting getting the efficiency and everything out right. there. Right, I think that's true, and and then understanding efficiencies in terms of how we as an oil and gas companies are going to be um, graded in the future because that's changing with the transition. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. what's what's really important? Well, returning cash flow to the to the investors is important. Right. Um, so we're not going to go into a bunch of debt. Um, th- I think the other thing is going to be you know, uh, aligning with carbon footprint, specifically in operations, that's the main way to affect, you know, the ESG score, if you will, right. from an operations perspective. So you're going to think about that carbon footprint uh, differently. And uh, so I think the investments are already 
starting to show up uh, that you get yeah. different rates for uh, – taking out loans depending on your, your ESG performance, that sort of thing. Right. And so all these little incremental gains at various stages of the operations start to matter in a way that nobody used to care about them so much before. Right? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, all right. So let's say I've got, so now I'm excited because we just bought this <laughs> from you. And uh, like, what is it, you know, um, what what does it look like? Like, how do I, how so do, how I, do, you how use, do I it? use it? Yeah. yeah. So it has primary, what it does is it, it accelerates and improves the accuracy of, of right. your workflow. Yeah. And let's put you in the shoes of a business development person. Yeah, okay, good. So what they, you they don't get talked about enough. So yeah, yeah let's I do guess that. not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they really I, Being one, yes, they, I agree. They re- well, uh, an oil and gas business development person, right? Yep. Which, is not, which is something different from what we think of business development in, 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 in other the normal, industry, right? Yeah, okay. Fair, yeah. Yeah. So you have basically three ways that uh, Rextag enables value. One is through the map. So understanding the location of assets and who owns those. So I get a map. So I'm looking like, so I pull so it up on my you screen. You pull it up on your screen map. and you have a map. Right. Did I just unplug that? We no, I don't think so. Actually. No, you're good. Okay. You're good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm flailing around with my arms. Yeah. So, well, the wind is blowing too. Yeah. <laughs> I, so you have a map and then you, you click on a, a, a set of assets that you want to see. So okay. let's call it... Um, midstream gas natural gas pipelines so right. all of a sudden you have a spider web on your screen you can go and then filter that <laughs> just million to miles of pipeline whoever yeah. you, whoever's assets you'd like to see in links or who, who energy transfer, okay whatever right right okay and maybe i'm specifically looking at oklahoma central oklahoma so i zoom in on that area okay so i have those assets on a map um i can go and inspect them to determine you know, information about those, just what we talked about earlier about all these different fields in the database. You can see it from the screen by just using an inspection tool, point and click, and it yeah. pops up. Okay, the second thing you can do is you can say, okay, I want to understand who has owned this asset that in, in question. Say I pick out a pipeline, and I want to know more about that. Well, there can be a link. Uh, to documents, so you can go and, and either search or directly link to uh, source documents related right. to any previous transactions. That can include, you know, A and D. It can include uh, investor presentations. And we even the the advantage that we have is being connected to Hard Energy. You have connection to to the midstream assets, and in this case, the pipeline. Sure. Anything that Hard yeah. would publish, we're going to pull that up from our database, oh, and right. you'll be able to see it right, right. away. Okay, so so it makes sense. So you've so the work that Hart does separate from this yeah. now becomes available through the same platform. Right, right, right. So that's what other platforms that you asked that question earlier would not have the we yeah, have the advantage sure. of having it being in house. And then the third thing is with a business development person, give me somebody to call, give me somebody to email, to contact, to, to find out if there is business there for us to develop. So we have a directory of contacts that is directly linked that you can go and then search and filter to the right type yeah, of okay. persona. Say it's an operations person that you want to talk to, you can go find that just through using the filters in the same interface. Yeah, all, all cloud-based. Correct. Um, so all I need is like a subscription and... Yeah, yeah. all you need is a subscription and... Since you said it was, you mentioned cloud-based, I'll just throw, throw in that you have the capability of uh, linking to your own web app. If you have your own, oh, yeah, we, okay. we leave the APIs open so okay, you can good. do that. Yeah. You can, if, uh, with uh, uh, a uh, subscription, you can download the data as well and, and utilize it on your own. 
um, whether that be in a Excel database for the whole thing. Yeah, but then you miss out on all the capabilities, like all the correct in the APIs is where you got all the filtering and all the logic for like. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so if you if it, you want to do that yourself, you're, you're able to do <laughs> that. Could. Conversely, yeah. you yeah. can load your own shape files, GIS files, KMZ right. files, uh, and show them as your own layer, and that could be your own IP intellectual property that is not yeah. shared with other users and you can view that alongside the public data as well. Right, so you're right. So it's very similar to what has been done in the past with subsurface or wells, right? Right. Uh, to varying degrees of success. Um, I think probably the subsurface has been, was, was, has been easier to do than wells. Wells are hard because everybody has different names for all the parts and pieces. But, um, but yeah, but for midstream, is I, I mean I can't like you said there's probably a few out there but um, but what you're describing is a sort of a proven method of improving these uh, the various workflows and the yeah. jobs that people have to do right uh, it, it's always amazing to me and I know this is this is not the first story of a public data repository that's been amassed sure but it's always still impressive when you think about how did you like you had to get all that data from all those places and i and i remember like i grew up in the consulting world where i was we were building systems right right and just to get your hands around some data and get it organized and queryable and organized right, right? and all that was like a huge right. endeavor so to i'm always impressed when i see people create these monster repositories that have all of this stuff that you're talking yeah. about from all these places. Well, appreciate the, you acknowledging <laughs> that because that's what I yeah. saw yeah. in uh, joining uh, the Hard Energy team, what Ray and the, the Rextag and Hard Energy team have, have built over the years is almost like how uh, to, like, irreplaceable. How long did it even build. take to get to the point where you had something... I mean, yeah, you, you, you add to it, you add to it, you add to it. Right. But you have to get to a point where there's enough critical mass there that it's useful. Right. And even that To where somebody's is... going to say, for an area in particular, I can go and I have enough, like you say, 80-20 rule has to apply where I have enough that it's going to help accelerate my right. workflow. So, so here's a question that I, if I were actually, if I were buying this from you, that I would ask is, how do you keep it up to date? Since it's so Great massive. Question. Since it's so yep. massive and took so many years to put together, uh, I kind of led you into that one. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. <laughs> so how on earth could you possibly keep it up to date after I just heard about how many years it took to assemble sure. this data? Well, as you can imagine, there are common sources for the data that we're updating either weekly or monthly, at least right. monthly, uh, that we're scraping from those data sources. And they're pretty varied, but once you find them, you know where to go back and look. Right, okay. Uh, and then we've got a team of about 30 people that are, uh. that are you know, constantly looking for updates. Um, I was actually surprised today. I had done a, a webinar uh, two weeks ago focused on a couple sets of wells, and then I was doing some internal training for some other sales folks today, and I went to those same sets of wells, and there was a new pipeline in there that wasn't there before, and I'm like, wait, where did this come from, right? <laughs> Here we are two weeks later, so yeah. proofs so, in the pudding, right? You just constant constantly updating and, and that yeah and that's maybe the harder part you know putting get you know, building the platform is one thing but being able to keep it up to date right is uh, you have to plan the resources to be able to do that regularly yeah. because if that's the first question that most people are going to ask is how often is this updated you know right. as soon as it's as a map is printed right. it's stale right so yeah yeah uh, the intent here is to have an evergreen system that somebody can go in tomorrow and have the latest and greatest uh, yeah, public cool. data in there 
Good stuff. Um, let's see, where are we at time? Eh, we're probably getting at that point where we should wrap up. Um, uh, people, all right, so people, I, I always, I, I, forgot to, I forgot to tell you in advance, I was going to, I always ask no this worries. at the end, is if people want to learn more about this, yeah. uh, obviously there's a Heart Energy website, but um, what, what else, what, what resources are available? You said you did a web, webinar, like we could put yeah. a link to that. Yeah, um, for sure. What else is out there that you we can You uh, can go to YouTube and, and just type in ESG next door and the third or fourth choice will be, look for my name, Tyler Reitmeyer, and it'll, uh, or Rex Tag, it'll come up on our YouTube feed. ESG um, next door. ESG next door. Is there ESG next door? That was question mark. Uh, that was the title got, yeah, you, of the got, webinar. Right, right. And then um, another way is uh, rextag.com. Yeah. Uh, okay. To get to our website, it's very simple. You don't have to enter hard energy. It's just r e x t a g dot com. Okay. And then uh, forward slash uh, podcast. Well, there'll be a there's a landing page there for, oh, okay, for cool. folks that want to find me. And I'm T. Wright Meyer at heartenergy.com as well. Oh, uh, you, did, did you want to give your phone number out too? Well, yeah, no, no, let's that's, do it. Let's not do any Eight six seven five three zero nine. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. All right, so uh, good stuff, and uh, we will. Um, ha- and how long you, you just joined? Yeah, I'm about four months in. Four now, months in. So, uh, so first we should, of July. We yeah. should do a we should do a follow up with you in a in a few months and see if you're uh, see if I'm still see there. If you're still. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it'll be. Does, I love that. Does Tyler have any buyers remorse yet? No, Thanks I only too. say that because I the data problems are so huge, and anybody who like wades into it at this point, uh, you have to know what you're in for, right? Because it's because uh, the industry still struggles a lot with data. Yeah, I think that's true, and uh, you got to understand that it's a process and it's an incremental process of improvement. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. All right, Tyler Reitmeyer. Thanks. For thanks, Michael. Time. Thanks Appreciate for coming it. out here. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for uh, enduring the harsh outdoor climate oh, yeah. today. Uh, it's been really nice. But We're getting uh, paid back for the summer. Yeah. Right well, this, this is our time. Yep. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Miles and miles of pipelines with Tyler Reimeyer. Um Of course, that wasn't really the main um, the main thing in the episode, but that was the part that stuck with me. And so, uh, I have to say that, uh, so in my, in my post, uh, putting this together, um, I, I went, and I looked it up to find out. And, uh, it turns out the Bureau of Transportation Statistics in the U S, um, actually has, uh, there's a, there's a spread, <laughs> they have a spreadsheet online, uh, an Excel spreadsheet. And then they got all the miles of oil and gas pipelines ever since 1960 here. And uh, as of, if, th- if this is correct, I mean, I assume it is, this is the Bureau of Transportation Statistics. Uh, so why would we ever get doubt? Uh, we have no reason to doubt government statistics, but this says uh, oil pipeline, 228,000 miles of oil pipeline. And for gas pipeline, get ready for it, 1.6 million miles. I guess this is miles. Um, I think it is. This is miles? Anyway, all right, if I find out that I was wrong about that, uh, no, I think it's miles. Yeah, yeah, because it's called, because the title of the whole thing is oil, U, U.S. Oil and Gas Pipeline Mileage. So there you go, uh, millions of miles of oil and gas pipeline. All right, that is going to wrap it up for today, folks. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, supporting OGGN. And you know we're getting down to the end of, of the uh, end of the year here. It's December, and uh, another another great 
year behind us of putting out lots of uh, fantastic podcasts. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, ventured out and listened to some of the other uh, shows that we have, you should. You know, you're going to have a little downtime during the holidays. It's a great time to explore. Uh, maybe some other some other topics, some other hosts. You know, and and all of our shows are different. The hosts all have different styles. Um, <laughs> thank goodness you're saying. And uh, and so check it out. Go to we we have a channel. You can go to our channel on Apple Podcasts, and you can find all the shows there. Or uh, you can also go to OGDN.com. Go to the website, and uh, you can see you can see all what all the different shows are and who the hosts are, and you can read little tidbits and interesting things about us. And uh, it's a great time to do that. So you should do that. And maybe you will find another podcast that you can enjoy in addition, not instead of, but in addition to this one, which is, of course, the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, brought to you right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, which is the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy industry. Thank you again to all of our listeners. Thanks to the OGGN team, especially Mr. Mac Roman, my audio fixer guy for this show who always makes it sound fantastic. And remember... Whenever you hear somebody, and you're going to hear them, it's going to come up this month in December because you're going to be going to those holiday, those business holiday events, and you're going to hear somebody say something about how the oil and gas industry is old-fashioned and we don't really, we're not, we don't keep up with the technology, we don't innovate, blah, 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 you know the spiel. Take that person and very nicely explain to them, well, give them a little history lesson, tell them about the last hundred years and all the great things that have uh, great innovations that have come out of this industry and tell them how we were tech before tech was cool check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of oil and gas tech podcast a production of the oil and gas global network learn more at oggn.com <laughs>